Three in Midfield podcast, episode 237, Bargain Bucket Beating. We are joined by Liverpool fan Stee and Arsenal fan Basil. Let's get the show started. Yes, I am indeed your host, Kojo. Podcast and today's going to be an interesting one because uh, I mean everyone that's ever been on this show has had a humbling experience. But today, today I'm in a very very awkward position because not only am I hosting, I'm also going to get roasted. So um, without further ado, let's introduce the guests. Now these are regulars; they are honorary members of Free Midfield. Um, so we're going to go first with Liverpool fan Steve, my brother. How you doing, bro? Uh, I'm great, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm a... <laughs> Might not surprise you to know, mate. Everything is great in the world for me right now. Um, listen, I've got I've got dine out material for the rest of my life to be able to <laughs> this, to be able to be the football club that has dished out your biggest beating, your joint biggest beating in history, is beyond my wildest dreams, mate. I can't couldn't comprehend it when it was you know coming towards the end of the game yesterday. It was. I'm beyond laughing sillily at things on the television like a little kid, but it was getting to that stage, mate. It's like every time we went forward, it, it was like we could score. Um, I, I'm just, mate, I love you to bits, man. So I'm genuinely going to do this with a tinge of regret. This, whatever roasting you get, mate, comes from me. It comes in from the right place, mate. Okay. Just important you understand that. Uh, you know what? Uh, this day was coming, man. So <laughs> I'm gonna call him. This day was coming, and of course he's back. He's very, very much Arteta in after being Arteta in for all of Arteta's time there. Basil, how you doing, bro? I'm doing all right. I feel like we've had like great moments in football, and I remember there was there's, there's these two great managers who came out to the press conference and did great speeches. You know, Rafa Benitez, um, when Liverpool were doing their title charge, and Jose Mourinho during his time at Manchester United. And I feel this is just a perfect moment to give such a similar speech. So I've got my fat books ready. <laughs> Get my fat books ready. Yeah. And, you know, there's just a lot of great information I just need to give out to the press. Did you know, Kojo, there are seven continents in the world? Wow, man, here we go. In Snow White. <laughs> The number of dwarves are seven. Right. Ooh. There are seven books in the Harry Potter series. Wow. Manchester United's most popular footballers wore the number seven. Ooh, There's yeah. seven days in a week. Most people know that. Yeah. Yesterday, there were seven goals scored in the match between Manchester United and Liverpool. And in the words of Jose Mourinho, this is what we call football heritage. Steve, remind me to never invite this guy back on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Why would you not do that? That was very insightful, Basil. Thank you very much. I, I genuinely appreciate your efforts. It's not lost on me. Top man, well done. Ah, right. Before we get started on the show, um, we've got some comments here. People are very, very quick to attack me. Um, deluded, shout out deluded, who actually called me yesterday. I thought he was just gonna come and banter me. He called he called me whilst he was live on stream. It took me about two seconds to realize what was happening. I was like, hold on, no, 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 no. We ain't gonna let this happen. I'm just gonna get caught. But anyway. Why the main night hole seven? Man said, fam, forget the talking. We want to hear about United. Kojo, how are you, fella? Thank you for asking. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. A lot better than I thought I would be. Yesterday, if you asked me yesterday, 
this would have been a very different podcast. I don't think anyone would have been here with me. This wouldn't be a lot of swearing. Probably <laughs> plus the, just probably the end of my podcast experience ever. But here we go. Um, Ali, fellow United fan of mine, the abuse I faced today has been painful. You're gonna have to hold that for like at least two, three, four, or jokes on seven years. Um, Asad asked me the question that Basil has already answered for me. How many days there are in a week? So, you know, seven, but, you know, one of them is God's Day. I mean, I got smacked on God's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and of course, um, this is a brother of mine, Ephraim, who has the same birthday as me, just saying low with laughing faces. Um, by the way, I've got a lot of Instagram messages that I've ignored. I'm doing this on purpose, just by design. So if you're listening, shame on you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not responding to your message. But let's get on with the show. And uh, you know what, Basil? I actually, actually this, this was the plan. We're going to start with you first because your team did win. 3-2 at home to Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. um, very crazy game of football. I think yeah. it didn't go as expected as most people thought. I'm talking about, you know, fans in general, FPL people, because a lot of people put a lot of Arsenal players in their team straight away. Um, and it looked like you guys were about to go through a sink um, situation, but you managed to find your way back into the game. Firstly, how do you feel? I mean, I feel, great. I feel great. I was out with my cousin and we were at a restaurant and also keeping tabs. And it's funny because we were sitting down and there was these two ladies sitting opposite us. And obviously the lady was also giving commentary. It looks like we were both... Um, keeping up to tabs with like the Arsenal score. So when they went one nil, my cousin, like, oh, don't worry, like we'll, we'll come back. When we went two nil, I thought I thought game done. I did not see us coming back. Right. Then we got the early goal. Then we got the early goal um, quite quickly. And then two two. So I thought, yeah, we have a chance. So I was keeping up with like the commentary, like the the online commentary of the game. When I saw 95, 96, I said game. I didn't even know how many minutes they gave us. Game done. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, a notification popped up on my phone. The way I screamed in that restaurant, honestly, they're going to ban me next time from going there. The way I screamed in that restaurant. But honestly, you know what? I'm going to come here. And for me, it's like a lot of people go in and say their opinions and they're quite prideful and, and sometimes don't admit where they're wrong. I can come here and actually apologize to Arteta. I was never arteta in. I'm not a person who goes and say, yeah, I believed in him. I actually didn't believe in his project whatsoever. Um, I wanted him out. I've always wanted him out. But true kudos to him and credit where credit's due. Regardless of whether we win the league or not, he's done a fantastic job this season and he seems to have galvanised that club. So I can come here and openly say I apologise to him and he's proved me wrong. But at the moment, like the confidence is high. Um, as long as we keep like players fit, I think we have a good chance of winning the league because I've seen the fixtures between the two teams, between Arsenal and City. Arsenal do have a few tricky fixtures, but I think the most difficult period is a bit one between Liverpool, City and Chelsea, which is all like back-to-back. -back. But City do, do still have a few banana skins there because even yesterday, um, their victory wasn't that convincing because um, Newcastle didn't take their chances in key moments of the game. So I think Arsenal have a great chance of winning the league. And I think I don't think we'll get a better chance this season because you actually can't legislate for how other teams will actually improve next season for instance Liverpool went all four competitions last season and people are talking about the quadruple but in this season it seems to be not a great season for them the same can happen with Arsenal we can have this great season this season and next season it could you know it could be disaster for us even Chelsea won the Champions League what two seasons ago and look at where they're at now so you have to take your opportunities when they arise and I don't think Arsenal will get their opportunity then this season 
That's fair. I mean, Steve, you, you know how it is to compete with City in the title race. Um, obviously, I know they signed Haaland. Haaland started the season on fire. He's got a lot of Premier League goals already. We're still in March. He has a time to break records galore. But looking at how Arsenal are playing, are you seeing a a resilience that is necessary to um, win the title? Or, on the other side of the coin, they have conceded two goals in their last two games against teams that maybe you'd you in the title race you expect them to be a bit more dominant over um which which side do you think they're more erring on well they're definitely feeling the pressure and that's understandable um city and liverpool have, have done this over a number of seasons city have come out on top more often than not so with regards to them they've got the know-how this is the thing it's all about know-how if if Arsenal manage to get themselves over the line this season, then then in a strong position to grow as a club. Conversely, you can do what Tottenham did in the Champions League final with Liverpool, which is go away and kind of feel a bit sorry for yourself and not really use it as a platform to build on, to use as an infrastructure to improve your football club. Hmm. How many times can you go to the well and 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 come up with the goods in the ninety seventh minute? This is a position Arsenal need to stop putting themselves in, and it's not the first time. Reese Nelson on the call doing uh, bits and pieces away at Forest, uh, two goals and an assist to get him out of trouble. This was way back in the season, but he still bailed him out. It's it's going to be it's just going to go right to the wire, and it's interesting that Basil mentions the the games against Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal that are, are coming up for Liverpool. We play Manchester City, Chelsea, and Arsenal within eight days. Yeah. That in the first week in April has the capacity to catapult us to where we need to be or completely derail our season. If Liverpool get a result against Arsenal, Manchester City carry on doing what Manchester City do, and they're not infallible, they've been dropping points as well, um, then there's a possibility that Manchester City have the, the, the wherewithal and the know-how to get over the line. It's really, really hard to, to, to reach the finishing line, as we, as we found out, uh, in, in any tournament, really. Um but I can remember telling you, Basil, to, to, to chill out with, with our depth. <laughs> you need to give the guy time. It takes time. Um, it's fine. You wanted the best for your football club. Um, I don't think there's anyone out there who could do a better job for you at the moment because you've allowed him to build. You've allowed him to put his footprint on the football club. Is it enough to get you over the line? Back to the original question. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm not convinced that... that there isn't a bump in the road somewhere for Arsenal. As I say, you can't keep going to the well at 2-0 down. If that second goal comes 10 minutes later, you are in all kinds of trouble. Um, you know, it's a, it was euphoria. Once you score the first goal, people were lumping on with, with the bookies saying Arsenal will, will catch and beat Bournemouth because winning is a habit, as is losing. So if Bournemouth were in a different place and they're turning up, they managed the game better than they did against Arsenal. The, the crowd at Arsenal really, really um, got behind the team. Really, really important to do that between now and the end of the season. I think there's a bump in the road for Arsenal. I don't know how big that bump in the road is. Hopefully it's Liverpool because we have our own agenda and our own uh, quest. Does that bump in the road derail you completely? I'm not sure. I, th I think you've got good team spirit there. You've got in Jesus and Zinchenko, guys that have won that are in your squad, although Jesus isn't playing. They still have that winning mentality. You can't not have that, having spent that amount of time at Manchester City. Um, at the end of the season, if Arsenal have done enough to get over the line, then, then league tables don't lie. They thoroughly deserve it. And 
this probably is the season when you have the best chance to do it because there's no way Liverpool will be like Liverpool where um, this season. I don't see Chelsea improving to in, enough to challenge for the title. Um, Manchester United will spend and will likely improve again. We'll get on to that, with, I'm sure, in Kojo's section. Um, yeah, so so I think I think the usual suspects will re-emerge, and, and when I say usual suspects, in particular Liverpool, this is probably the best chance you're going to get in terms of where you are right now. Um, and you're doing quite a good job at front running, but I, I just don't know if you can hold it. Yeah, the biggest issue is that Arsenal are really just paying on like confidence right now because we don't have the squad depth and and you only have to look at our substitution every week it's so predictable the fact we're always making a right back substitution tells you that much about Arsenal's depth um, we're chasing a game and we always either Ben White is starting bring him off for Tom Yasu or Tom Yasu is starting bring him off for Ben White the fact we're having to change our right back whenever we're chasing games tells you about the squad depth obviously Eddie wasn't there and you know um you know, if he's, you know, he's our only striker there, but it's like, well, if we're chasing the game, we have no options or if vice versa, if Eddie started, he never comes off, no matter how bad of a game he's having because we have no one to replace him with. And, you know, we even signed Georgino. He didn't even come on yesterday because obviously he wasn't the type of player we needed um, for that type of game. But it tells you that at the moment, Arsenal are really playing on confidence, team spirit, and that's what's driving them so far. Because that squad depth is not there. I mean, it's scary how City can just rotate or bring on certain players to change a game. Bernardo Silva came on. You know, you bring on that level of quality and he gets the goal um, shortly after coming on. Um, there's certain games where Arsenal can't, you know, if, if the going gets tough and we're back in that position again, we're not always going to be bailed out um, by players coming off the bench because we just don't have the squad depth, unfortunately. And that potentially could be Arsenal's undoing. I still don't. I, I'm, I'm hopeful we can win the league. I still don't fully trust Arsenal, considering what we did last season. That for me still is in the back of my mind. We had like four games left to go. It was more or less in our hands, and we capitulated. So it's like even if Arsenal are in the same position this season, until we get to game 37 or 38, I still don't trust. I only trust Arsenal at least like 65 percent of the way. <laughs> There's that 35 percent of me that saying. Mm, Hold on, because we've seen we've seen this before with Arsenal. I mean, I I, I think you got you guys' points on board, and um, if I'm gonna defend, I mean, not, yeah, maybe defend Arteta just a little bit. Yes, um, I know you're not you're not really blaming him for anything. What I'm gonna yeah. say is, I think um, the team spirit and the confidence is obviously a good thing to praise. At the end of the day, I mean, you're talking about mm-hmm. someone like Reese Nelson who doesn't get much game time, you know, for whatever the reason will be, whether he's just unfit. Or you know he's just not making the match squad or whatever, wait for every reason. You know the man management of some of these players is fantastic. The the confidence to bring on Smith Rowe, which I think was an injury in the first half, but then take him off in the second half because he's just not working with the team, trying to make things happen. Reese Nelson came on; there was an immediate difference. Things are happening; they're getting goals. Um, I think I think it's fair. Um, before I get back, we go to Arsenal, and actually before we get back to Bournemouth, actually. EDA ninety nine three says seven. No, we're getting there. Take your time. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's actually the next game. So breathe, have a cuppa, and then come back. Um, but, um, but yeah, no. Um, I, I think, I think watching that game for me, I, I can only praise the resilience at this point. And and the thing about Premier League is Bournemouth also have something to play for as well. So you have these games where teams will come to your your stadium and they'll they'll give it it all and they'll get goals. And more than anything, they were just clinical on the night. But Arsenal found a way to get back into the game. Um, on Bournemouth quickly, 
Um, they had about three or four warning shots um, about the goals that uh, for the, before the goals were conceded, in particular Partey's goal and obviously the winner for Reese Nelson, where in a particular area of the box where Reese Nelson was by himself, yeah. they kept on leaving the player unmarked in those positions. Um, Steve, so on Bournemouth, um, obviously a tough result for them to take, but do you see them showing any signs of having any capability of staying up in this league? No, I, I, I said before when I'm speaking that winning becomes a habit, as does losing. Um, I don't know if they invested enough in their squad in the summer and then they had the manager change and they went with Gary O'Neill, who's done a great, great job. But but what are the players thinking? He's manager to the end of the season. Do they feel the need to prove anything to him because there's a possibility he's not in charge next year? Are they happy to go down and have another go at it with the, with, with the parachute payments and all that stuff? There are certain clubs which tend to bounce up and down. Norwich being another one. Fulham is another one. They kind of can't hold their ground. Fulham this season will probably, well, they're pretty much safe already, to be fair. Yeah. But typically they haven't been. I don't see enough from Bournemouth, and I certainly don't want to see anything from Bournemouth this weekend because we play them. Um, yeah. um, to suggest that they've got enough about them to stay up, they, they, no quality, they lack quality. Okay, they, they score two goals against Arsenal. The first one, which if you are Teta will drive you mad, is a is a kickoff routine, yeah. which is yes. something that's preordained, it's been planned in training. You come here and you fall for it. That that's scandalous. Of all the goals Arsenal concede this season, that will be the one that that riles him the most because it's it's a, it's avoidable and it's really to turn up for a game and not be switched on that early nine was it nine seconds or something yeah, nine, um, yeah. to be to be a goal down that quickly that's probably the worst start when well, it is the worst start you can ask for um i don't see bournemouth staying in the premier league i i think there are there aren't three teams worse than them um i just don't see them staying up I, I, they're just not good enough for me they're that quality um and 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 that stems from a lack of investment you know of, they tried it before. They bought Jordan Ive, they bought Dominic Solanke from Liverpool for absolutely stupid money. And it's good to see that they've learned those lessons. But you have to go and buy tried and tested Premier League players if you want to stay in the Premier League. You have to you have to have players. Mitrovic is an interesting dynamic at Fulham. Um has something to prove in the Premier League after scoring a shed load of goals in the championship. Really good to have him in your team. Comes back to the Premier League, having had a minimal return the last time he was here. And he had something to prove, and they benefited from that. So no, I, I don't see Bournemouth staying up. I think I think Bournemouth are destined for life in the Championship. Fair enough, Basil. I don't know. Um, usually, in in past seasons, there's maybe one or two teams you can say definitely going now. I think with the inconsistency of some of the other teams, I, I generally can't even call it because West Ham are so bad. Everton are so bad. Um, Nottingham, Nottingham Forest seems to be picking up points now. So even I think Nottingham Forest can survive. Um, they seem, I think the man, they bought a lot of players. The manager seems to have found a settled squad and they seem to be gelling together now at the right time of the season. Who else is down there with them? And Leeds, once again, um, inconsistent. I, I, I generally can't call it. I think Bournemouth have a chance only because the other teams around them are so bad that if they do survive, it's literally by the skin of their teeth. Um, usually like you have one or two teams who are just languishing and you say, oh yeah, they're, they're definitely going down. And Bournemouth would be one of those teams, but because of what the others above them are doing, I, I generally can't call it. And the, the funny thing about Bournemouth is 
They can't defend, but they still kind of pose a threat going forward. They're just not clinical whatsoever, but they still pose some threats going forward when you watch them in certain games, which makes me think they, they have a slight chance. I mean, if I was a better man, it will definitely be my bottom three of going down. But yeah, I, I can't call it, honestly. I, I think this will probably go like last day and there'll be a lot of twists and turns. Well, there are. we'll get to the other teams later in the show, but... Between 12th and 20th is only a six points the gap. So it's going to be a very interesting relegation battle. Um, To a team that conceded like they are in a relegation battle. Uh, Here we go. Ding, 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 ding. Liverpool Football Club 7, Manchester United Football Club 0. I'm not going to say... Before you go, I've never laughed so much in a football match in the longest time. Honestly, I've never laughed so much. <laughs> that match was comedic. It, it, it was comedic. And it got to the point where um, I was watching it with my boys, Spencer and David. Um, Marie, my partner, came along as well. Um, and one of our their boys as well. And when it got to five, I went to one of my groups and I said, guys, you know, six is coming, right? And then literally a minute later, six hit. And then I said to them, the, the crowd are chanting, we want seven. I think they're in the mood to give them one more. And they gave them one more. And deservedly so, by the way, by the guy that's leaving, Bobby Firmino, who decides to just tuck in a nice one for himself as well. He got a goal and assist coming off the bench. He was on the pitch for, what, 10 minutes? Great. Anyway, um, let's start with the winners first, because I don't think we need to start with the losers just yet. Trust me, we're going to get to them. There's a lot more to say about them, I think. But, um, Steve, of course, jubilant as ever. It's been an up-and-down season for you guys, but if if you're smacking your rivals 7-0 there's nothing that can bring you down <laughs> no no um in recent weeks first 35 40 minutes against real madrid allison's mistake for the equalizer aside um we played very well um well enough it to play that way against somebody else will win you most of your games of football irrespective of who you play because real madrid are real madrid um, and, and they've got this special thing with the Champions League we like to think we have, but they're at a different level with regards to that. An interesting game. Um, first half, we started really well. Um, United found it difficult to deal with the, the speed we were moving the ball, which has improved massively in recent weeks. And we never really created anything. And then, as always happens with, with football matches, you've got a foothold in the game and Look, if, if Fernandez scores his header from, from extreme left of the goal, then then you have to doff your hat to him and say, great, great header, great finish. He's no right to hit the target from there. So I'm not too worried about that one. The direct ball into Rashford's feet and took it first time and got nothing on it in terms of purchase, pace and power or direction was a little bit more of a concern. Mm-hmm. But we managed to, to, to see that threat out. And then and obviously the goal itself, the first goal comes from, from quality from... Andy Robertson, who, who, who judged his pass really well by driving inside, being very inverted. He asked questions of Fred that Fred didn't answer. And then it opens up for the ball inside of, inside of Dallow for, for Gakpo to come step inside and finish in the bottom corner. I wouldn't say it wasn't a deserved lead at halftime. I think if we'd gone in at 0-0, I wouldn't have had a problem with that either. I think, um, I think Manchester United did ride the pressure to start with. That would have been pleasing. Um, to concede when they did would have been disappointing. You go in at half-time, Manchester United get the written message from the manager, carry on doing what you've been doing towards the end of the second half. You are getting opportunities, they'll come. 
and then within three or four minutes, it's suddenly it's three nil, um, and it's really difficult to 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 take that as a as a coach, as a fan, sometimes as a player. Um, look, we'd, we'd need probably two hours to go for all the goals, so because because there were seven of them, in case you didn't notice. Um, from a Liverpool perspective, I said to you before we went on air. From a Liverpool perspective, what do we learn? The first half against Real Madrid and the second half against Manchester United are classic Liverpool performances in terms of intensity, in terms of moving the ball really quickly. The press was really, really good in the second half against United. And I mean really good. Yep. Um, the best it's been all season. We can do it. We need to remind ourselves we can do it. And we need to do it week in, week out, irrespective of who we're playing against. And it starts at the weekend away at Bournemouth. Now, if we play as well as we did in the second half against Manchester United, the Bournemouth games are guaranteed three points. They will not be able to keep us out. We were just too good in transition, too good in movement, too good in press. We were really, really clinical. Um, most Haller looked absolutely back to... We can go back as far as pre-AFCON, when he was everybody's man on your lips for a real good tilt at the Ballon d'Or and then came back from the AFCON and forgot to get going again. And we really haven't seen a performance like that from Mo for, for a good 12 months or so. Um, look really, really sharp. Seems to relish and enjoy playing Man United, which is um, a good thing because he's a man for the big occasion, clearly. If we can recover this, keep doing this form, then then our season will end well for us in regard that we will probably finish in the top four, which changes the dynamics of the conversations we have around the transfer table in the summer. Yeah. But because of the European coefficient, we literally could finish 15th the following season and still qualify for the Champions League because of the coefficient ranking system. It doesn't matter where Liverpool finish next season, they will qualify for the Champions League the year after because I think we're third in the rankings table in the whole Europe. Um, so, so that's wrong. I don't agree with that, but it is what it is. And it will form a major part of the conversation when you sit down and talk to the likes of Jude Bellingham and, and Guardiola, the defender, when we look to strengthen our squad. That will be a caveat we use. So from a Liverpool perspective, really, really strong second half performance. Um, Gakpo looks absolutely superb. Um, it's kind of softened the blow of losing Firmino, which is absolutely galling because this guy's a personality. He's been pivotal to everything Klopp has tried to do. He's been his press, his football intelligence, his selflessness. And the, the guy, just as a person, has been really, really good to have around the club. But we have to face up to the fact that Eight years is a long time at a football club. It really is. And and he's probably ready for another challenge. Maybe one that's not so physically demanding because in the last two years he struggled with injuries, not been available when we've needed him. But he's a legend of the football club, absolutely. He's played in three European Cup finals. He's been over 90 points three times. He's won the FA Cup. He's won the League Cup. Blah, 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 and blah. He's He's got the full locker full of medals. This guy will we'll be singing C Senor at Anfield for many, many years to come, and, and rightly so. Um, absolutely superb player. Darwin Nunes, um, the second header technically is absolutely ridiculous. There's no pace on that ball. Henderson chops in there and he generates so much power and he uses the side of his, of his head. It's, it's a, he's an aerial threat. Um, absolutely, he's an aerial threat. And then, and then and Mo Salah becomes Liverpool's leading Premier League goal, goal scorer of all time. Um, he's in the pantheon of, of Liverpool greats. He's in the pantheon of Premier League greats. He should be in everybody's conversation in the in the Premier League team of all time. 
you'd have a very difficult case to not include him. As if, even if you include him as an orthodox right winger, his numbers are insane for what was considered to be a one-season wonder. Um, 129 goals in 205, I think, in his games is a ridiculous return, not to mention the assists and the games when he stood up to be counted. Um, just, just an absolutely superb footballer that is now in the top five or six Liverpool players of all time. And that's high praise indeed, because like, like United, we've had a rich history, a lot of football heritage, lots of legends of, of yesteryear that, that hold those positions at the moment. And he's quite rightly spoken about in the same sort of circles as those guys. So from Liverpool point of view, what do we learn? We can do it. We're not, we're not finished. When that's the imagination. Self-belief is huge. That's five games in a row, five clean sheets, 13 points from 15. That's tighter winning form. However you look at it, that type of form, if we do that for the next 10 games, we will be in fourth place. Simple as that. Fact. Fact. <clears throat> Fact. And, um, wow, that's my voice already. Haven't even started yet. And, uh, Basil, um, go on, yeah, go on. No, Liverpool are the most annoying team in the league because... Whenever they seem like down in the dumps and dead, <laughs> they seem to just find find something to just creep up. It was that it was like that two seasons ago where I I couldn't see them finishing fourth, and they still managed to, to finish fourth, yeah. and then build on that um, in the following season. And when I was looking at where Liverpool and Chelsea were in the league, I said absolutely no chance Liverpool have no chance of getting top four. Now I think they will usurp um, Spurs and finish in fourth place, and. Once again, I, I know I use the, the word team spirit with Arsenal. Um, that's one thing that drives Liverpool because Liverpool have the quality um, in terms of ability with the players. It's just that they just don't, they just haven't consistently turned it on this season. But one thing that will never die from them is kind of that team spirit and that ethos of working together. And sometimes, even when things aren't going well or maybe their rhythm just isn't there, that seems to be the thing that kind of drives them forward. And so watching that game, uh, yeah, honestly, it was <laughs> honestly yeah, watching that game. Honestly, it, I mean, they didn't they didn't start the best in the game. I think it was a bit tentative between between the two between the two teams. But as soon as Liverpool got that first goal, it just seemed reinvigorated in the in the second half, and it was just yeah, it, it was just it was just a wonderful Liverpool team to to see. But I think generally, I think Liverpool will probably finish in the top four. They'll probably finish right ahead of Newcastle. Newcastle are definitely on a big slump, and I think they'll finish right ahead of Spurs because I just think, all jokes aside, Spurs are just a bad team. All jokes aside, they're just a very, very bad team. Yeah, it's been a disastrous week for Spurs. Um, boy, United. Um, I'll, I guess I'll try and take this one. You guys can ask me as many questions as you want as well. We'll go all back and forth. That's how we do over here. Um, it's not about losing to Liverpool that. I mean, it is about losing to Liverpool, but I mean, in the sense of like, you 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 can lose games to Liverpool. It's not the first time we lost to Liverpool. Back in our best times with Sats Ferguson, we were one nil down at Anfield, applying the pressure, and then David Ngo ran the, le- the length of the pitch with the ball and tucked Man United away and put them to bed, won the game 2 0. So going to Liverpool and losing is not a shame. However, losing 7 0 for any team is a disgrace. Losing 7-0 to your greatest rivals is an abomination. That just can't happen. It just, on, on any level. I don't care if May and I were at the level of, a, I don't know, a, a Portsmouth. You don't go to Anfield and lose 7-0. It's just, 
as, as far as as far as I'm concerned, once your top rivals, it's just not allowed. And what we saw yesterday was probably one of the worst things I've seen in football ever as, as a fan for myself. Um, the first half, United looked okay. You know, again, as Steve said, I think we ride the wave a little bit. We didn't have too much of the ball. It was more just counter-attacking, looking for the breaks. You know, a lot of the chances that we had were sort of out of nowhere. Dallo, that whipping that ball, it was a good cross. Fernandez maybe should have scored, but it was a good head, a good attempt. Rashford, I think, should have done better with his chance as well. He should have taken it first time. You know, me being a cynic, I think, take a first touch and smack it at the same time. It's also good to make sure that the keeper isn't ready, take a shot and just, you know, do what you want to do. Um, but you go 1-0 down at halftime. And the funny thing about the goal that Liverpool scored, the first one, is that the signs were there also with that one. Very similar to what I was saying about Bournemouth because that left side that Liverpool were attacking, United's right. There was a lot of space there for Andrew Robertson to cause right havoc. There was a lot of space for Gakpo and Nunez to just go on that side and just bombard. And the one person... The one person that did not help this situation whatsoever was another 80 million pound signing. And I'm starting to hate that number. I hate 80 more than the number seven right now. Okay. Anthony was an absolute horror show in terms of working for the team. Steve said something to me a couple of weeks ago. That's always resonated in my mind about if one person is not functioning with the team, the whole system comes apart. And it was referenced to Naby Keita in the Champions League game away from home. Um, I think it was last season where he just sort of capitulated. Yeah, the season before, quarter-final, Real Madrid in their uh, reserve team stadium. Another one you mean, yeah? Yeah, that's that's the one, yeah. And um, you could see that he was not helping Dalo. And I, I do, I will criticise Dalo, but it, there's there's only so much you can do when you're not getting help from your, your um, partner on the right side of the pitch. He didn't defend, he didn't track runs, he didn't follow anybody. Robertson had the best day of his life. Robertson didn't have to work hard. He didn't have to work hard. He made what's, what's sorry? So what's your actual thoughts on Anthony where you think Anthony can go with you? I, I have my thoughts on Anthony is this. Look, I, yeah. I always have time for players who get adapted to a league. Steve will tell you as well, I'm the, I was the first person, despite them joining Liverpool, to defend Darwin Nunez and Gagpo. Firstly, because I wanted them at Man United. But number two, because you've got to give some players time. And if it doesn't work out, say no more. Yeah. Right? So I'm always here to give players time. However, there's struggling to show your best ability in the league and it's just not working hard enough and he just didn't work hard enough that's as simple as it gets and when you're talking about level of performance now it's, it's gone from promising to worrying he, he's not showing any signs of getting better which is concerning I think Ten Hag's trying to play a system that suits him a lot more than others in the team trying to get the best out of him and he's not doing it well and yesterday was the, the icing on the cake for him because it was one of the worst performances. I'm not talking about being on the ball. Off the ball is just as important as on the ball. And um, when your team is told to remain compact defensively, that plays also a part with you, you know, helping your defense, your fullback and helping the receiver midfield. He did nothing. He did nothing correct in this game. Absolutely nothing. He left Dalo to suffer. And I will criticize Dalo because Dalo didn't defend well either. Absolutely not. I mean, he's not really a good defender in general anyway. Yeah. But at least back your fullback. And I think Juan Bissaka would have suffered the same fate as well. Yes, he's a good recovery defender. But if you're not getting help from your, your fullback or your, sorry, your right winger, you're being left to sink. It was poor. Yeah, that, Very that was the first time I saw Robinson just bombing forward without no thought as to what was behind him because Anthony didn't track back. And obviously there was one crimp, there was one where Anthony lost the ball 
And then he just he put his hands up and just didn't jog back. And I thought that's a that's a disgrace. The thing is this: <clears throat> when you talk about when you compare like the three players, Anthony Nunes and Gakpo, yeah. the difference is that with Nunes, you can like you know so young, you can see like the fundamentals of like making the runs in behind and um, his a work on and off the ball. And say, okay, if he gets like the finishing correct, just in the in, on, in the training ground, you can see, you can see some, you can see what what can happen if he works on that in the training ground. Same with Gapo, you can see he's, he's good technically, just needs to kind of settle. <laughs> the issue, <laughs> the issue, coach, I have with Anthony, I just find his fundamentals just aren't good whatsoever. His dribbling isn't great in terms of taking on players. Like how many times do you see him beat a player one on one? Rarely mm. see it, not good. Secondly, he's so predictable. When he gets the ball, he always shifts it immediately onto his left-hand side, which makes it very predictable. His crossing and his passing is very, very poor. And obviously, he scored a few, about three, four goals so far. But when you look at the majority of his shots, it's very tame. It doesn't really work for keeper when you actually take it as a whole. And I think his fundamentals aren't good. And I can't, and I can't see him thriving at United. I think Ten Hag will try and make it work because he's worked with him at Ajax. And because of the money spent, but I think he's one of those players where, in a season's time, you may just have to cut your, cut your losses and say, we just need to shift him and replace him because I don't think he's a good player at all. I mean, <laughs> I, I honestly, if you if you watch, I don't think I watch him. He doesn't have the fundamentals that you need for a good winger. Because and and the worst and the worst part for me is the fact that he always shifts it so quickly. Like you see players who shift it onto their left, but they may do something and then shift it. His immediate movement when he gets the ball is shift onto the left. As a defender or someone face, I'm like, that's easy because I know what you're going to do. You're always going to pass it in the direction of the left-hand side. Whereas some players are a bit smarter. Like if you take Saka, he does it quite a lot, but at least he stands you up and waits for that moment to do that. Whereas Anthony, within seconds, it's done. And I sit and I was like, mm, yeah. I-, I can't see it working personally. I mean, I- I'm not... I'm not- Totally disagreeing with you. I, I mean, I'm trying to be honest. I don't even want to defend Anthony too tough. I don't want to defend any of the players, but there's an issue there with mm. um, Anthony, and it's the I don't know if it's a reluctance. It might be a reluctance because I've seen him use his right foot a couple of times, but he just doesn't seem eager to use his right foot to even control the ball mm. and you know dribble. I mean, there's a point at the Liverpool game, um, maybe midway through the first half, where he sort of dribbled towards like um, what's his name, Robertson. He was sort of in between. Um, I think Henderson and Fabinho does like a corner yeah. and he was driving forward and I think he should have gone forward but he just passed it backwards or sideways rather to uh, Dallow and you know we did create a chance from that but I feel like in that moment he should have had a bit more confidence to go forward it could be a lack of confidence thing is you cannot you cannot perform like that and, and get away with it but you know what it's not only just Anthony and this is, I, I don't want to scapegoat only him because it was a whole... Don't, don't, forget, your, don't, forget, your butch, don't forget your butcher, as they call oh, it. No, see, again, and I will, I'll, I'll talk about these players as well. That's what I'm saying. So the defence the defense as a whole was poor. Uh, Luke Shaw, a poor in performance. Um, Lissandro and Varane, poor. And I said, I said Dallow was poor as well. But this is, there's been a bit of revisionism about Lissandro and Verana, and this is this is where I, I I don't like football fans sometimes because it's suddenly become a thing of I had a discussion today where I was told that they haven't been good all season, they've been rubbish. And I said you've been waiting for one game, which is, is it's a horror show, but we're not gonna sit here and lie and say that these two have not improved our defense fundamentally fundamentally, considering the fact that we've been screaming for two center backs 
to replace the, the guys that are on the bench right now, Maguire and Lindelof, for a long time now. So we're not going to now lie on their names and say Varane is not good enough. He's only good with Sergio Ramos. We're not going to say uh, uh, Martinez has not been good all season because he has been good. He's been part of some horrible defeats made like this season. Brighton, Brentford, City, obviously Arsenal. Liverpool. Arsenal, the 3-2 loss. But even that Arsenal game, he played all right and he scored a goal yeah, as well. He did all right, you know? Yesterday was bad, very bad. And he met a, he met a superb player in Salah. And he's not the first one. He's not been the last that Salah's going to rip into. It's also the thing with like um, Jerome Boateng. Before he met Messi, there was no questions over him. And then Messi destroyed him. And suddenly it was, I never rated that guy anyway. This is this is what we're doing, you know? So I know we're not doing that here. But, you know, um, that's that's what's happened. Um, I don't think a lot of people listening are expecting me to rip into Fred. But I, I'm going to I'm going to rip into the fans about Fred, and the issue with Fred is he's been part of this United process. He's been there about seven years now, I think, yeah, six seven years. years. He's been part of this United process where every now and then United have a season where they finish second, or under Mourinho, under Ole, where they've looked they've looked all right. They've looked all right, you know, getting 81 points behind City when they got 100 points. 81 points is not a bad total. They got see got 100 points, they blew everyone out of the water. The next year, United went back to type. Liverpool arose, took Liverpool, um, took City to the limit, and then the next year took the title, right? Um, but what Fred did yesterday was I don't know, how, I don't know what word to describe. It's it's like his lack of positioning and understanding where he should be at times is terrifying. And I'll again point out the first goal because yes. Anthony didn't track back, so Dallo had to go in and sort of... I mean, he, he ran for no reason, Fred. <laughs> Which he, is ran, he ran towards Gakpo without Gakpo making a run, but also he didn't know where Gakpo was. Yeah. He's opened up a huge space, and it's one of those ones where you just got to say, let me let me hold my position and at least get a bit more inside so I'm forcing you to make the pass outside because the one place you don't want to get closer to is your goal. Make it difficult as possible because Gakpo absolutely destroyed the run with his first touch. So I kind of, I'm a fan of, if you're going to get beat, get beaten. Varane was beaten. There was no comeback for him. He was beaten, dead in the water. The hair's not making that save. Job done. Great finish from Gakpo. Great pure skill with one touch and the finish. That's clinical. That's brilliant football from him. But Fred was just, it's, it's a reminder of the things he's been doing in the past. That's not maybe had the confidence in him and all the other players. Casemiro, very poor. Um, I want to ask you guys about this guy now. Yeah. So I was gonna. Go on, yeah, go on. So we need to speak. We need to speak about you two. The double pivot, if you like. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, first half, I totally get why you dug out Anthony here to talk about a lack of cover, a lack of willingness to do the, the ugly stuff going back towards your goal. You won't always play against teams that don't ask questions of you both defensively and in an attack sense in the way that Liverpool did. In the second half, Harvey Elliott and Mo, Mo Salah's link-up play down the right-hand side was the key difference. Yeah. What I don't understand, and this is why we need to talk about your centre-back, centre-midfield, sorry, is that nobody stepped across to play in the pocket space when Harvey Elliott became inverted. Harvey Elliott has the most passes of any teenager in the top five leagues in Europe right now because he's a link player. Because we decided when we set up our team, we leave the set out, we bring in Harvey Elliott, 
because we wanted to connect the midfield to the front line, which is really important for Liverpool. It's very bold for Klopp to do that. We we thought he'd go with a safe midfielder, Besetic, Fabinho and Henderson, which meant we would be able to mark space better than we have been, which is a different skill altogether, which I'm sure you guys are aware of. Yeah. The difference between this Liverpool side that hasn't been great and this Manchester United side that is still very much a work in progress is despite having Casemiro, despite having Varane, despite having David De Gea, despite having Bruno Fernandes, because he's now an experienced player at this level, nobody's able to deal with situations that, that happen in front of them. Yep. No one's able to make tactical changes that don't come off the line. So yep. the best teams in the world can solve problems with the senior players on the pitch. We've got Henderson, we've got Fabinho, we've got Van Dijk, we've got Andy Robertson now is very experienced. Trent Alexander's played 150 games in the Premier League. They understand what's going on in front of them. Mo Salah's an experienced player. They, they're able to solve problems on the pitch. What you saw from Manchester United and, and Varane and um, Casemiro and Martinez were drawn back into Oli and, and um, Ralph Rangnick times where it was just a complete capitulation from a mental perspective. So, first of all, tactically, Klopp did a number on your midfield by playing Elliot in the position he played him in. Nobody responded to that. And I'd have to say, including the manager, that would be yeah. my worry if I was a Man United fan. Agreed. The second thing would be that they were unable to deal with it on the pitch. And the most important thing of all was, tactically, Liverpool did a number, but mentally, Manchester United destroyed themselves. You're quite right, Kojo. You cannot go to Liverpool and lose 7-0. At 3-0, a Casemiro, a Varane, a, a Martinez, anybody has to say, for God's sake, boys, no more, right? Yeah. It, it, three's bad, three's bad. Seven is, a, is, a, is abhorrent. You can't ever justify seven. Ten Hag learnt more about Manchester United in 90 minutes than he's learnt in the whole season yesterday. And that would be that, that when the chips are down, when you need to roll your sleeves up and say, this ain't happening, it's not happening to me, self-pride says I can't do this. Yep. And at times I've said the same criticism of Liverpool this year with some of the players who've been filling in. They didn't see that. So the reality is, you might be looking at another five or six players to change your squad with mental strength that allows you to go to places like Anfield where you know 100% Liverpool are going to be completely at it because it's the biggest game on the calendar for us. We lost 2-1 at Old Trafford, justifiably so, with a very poor performance yeah. with a team that we didn't recognise. We don't become a bad side overnight. You cannot go from that sort of... 180 minutes away from football and immortality to a side that isn't capable of turning up for big occasions and Liverpool did. If I'm a Manchester United fan tonight, I'm worried about the mentality. I think Casemiro is a, is a wonderful addition to the squad and I'll be grudgingly giving him the respect he deserves because he played for Real Madrid and I don't particularly like them either for obvious reasons. But he's a footballer. But he should also be a leader. And he should be saying, you mentioned Fred. He should be saying to Fred, what are you doing that for? Do this. And the yeah. first thing I'm going to get you to do, Fred, to get your mind back in the game and to get you focused on what you need to do is, I want you to go and stop Harvey Elliott receiving the ball. Yeah. I'll sort the rest out. You go and play in that pocket of space, that inverted pocket of space, 15 yards in front of the double pivot Liverpool operating, 
too close to Mo Salah. The, 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 the interchanges on down that right hand side were, were were an out ball for Liverpool all afternoon. Yeah. So people laugh at. Salah for making Lopez run in the wrong direction and then fall over. And that is funny, right? Because that's how, like you said, that's how players learn. The bigger problem is who in Manchester United was saying, why is there that massive void? Why is there that massive amount of space? All Liverpool are doing. Quick, quick, quick question. Yeah, quick question, Steve. Um, who, who was tracking Gapo? Because I know Gapo just, Gapo running, just ran. Um, who was supposed to be tracking him? Because I can't remember yeah. It would be Casemiro for the third because yeah. the third goal he picks the ball up in the center of the park, mm. holds off a challenge, opens up his body and plays the ball into the channel for Mo Salah to run after. Yeah, he's doing that on the halfway line. Your center midfielders have got to be all over that. You can't allow Absolutely. a Liverpool team that, that is renowned for its transition to pick the ball up there, hold a guy off because he's a big lad, 6'4, he's strong, he knows how to hide a ball, he knows how to look after it, he's very smart. And then, and then have enough time to open up his body and measure a ball into the channels. That when you sit and watch a video at Manchester United's training ground today, those are the things that Ten Hag's got to be climbing the walls over. Those are the things you've got to be saying, guys, you you, you can't do this. So from a Manchester, there's still a lot of work for Manchester United to do to get to where you want them to be and where they want to be. And I'm I'm going to say this because I've said it on my own channel where I work on the. De- the league this season, for me, isn't great. The Premier League this season, the quality of the football isn't great. And that's not taking anything away from where Arsenal are because you can only beat what's put in front of you. And they've done it really well and their, their points haul is really, really impressive. I think there's been a genuine drop-off in the standard of the Premier League, per se, this season. And we all said it, Kojo, I said it to you before. If Manchester United ever get themselves a good manager, they have a core. They have five or six players you can build a, a team around. We go into we go into tomorrow. I've had this conversation this evening, and there's still the same questions that haven't been answered by the players at Manchester United. Your captain has to be substituted. Your captain should have been sent off for manhandling the linesman and the FA. <laughs> Nothing about that. So the next time a grassroots referee gets smacked in the mouth by a player, that's on the FA's hands because they haven't dealt with with, with a guy pushing the lines when he did push him. I know people in the chat on the ring did. Um, terrible challenge on Trent in the corner. He should have been booked for that too. Yep. He, he's a guy that if you're in a changing room, you can't look at him and go, there's my inspiration. If I'm playing in, in a team that he's in, he'd piss me off. He wouldn't inspire me. He'd annoy me. Who's your captain? Who's your captain on the pitch? Should be someone like Casemiro or a Varane or, or a Martinez that lead by example. Not necessarily your best so-called technical player. It doesn't have to be your captain. Well, this this is okay. sorry, Basil. This this is where this is where I um this is where I've agreed so much and I've been I've been annoyed about this whole captain's armband United because I believe in football there are two types of captains, right? There are the players that are not the loudest they don't they don't really tell you too much what to do but you can see by performances they lead by example they're consistent they lead the way when you need them to arise they will arise for you similar to like a it's the reason why like a Messi and Ronaldo can get their armbands for their nations because they're not gonna come they're not the biggest talkers in terms of you know telling players to do this and go here and go here and do that but when their countries needed them 
when the teams have needed them in the past, they've stood up and they've arisen and they've they've led the way and the teams have been successful. And then you've got the other side where it's not not only that they've got the ability, but they're not a lot more loud. They're a lot more gestive. They can tell you where to go. They'll tell you off when they need to. You know, Gerard, Keane, Vieira, if you want to throw it back to those, those times, technically gifted footballers, fantastic players, but also very loud, very... Um, um, I don't, maybe aggressive is the word to use, but more than anything, they show leadership. That's the key point of this um, this speech, right? Bruno Fernandez has not performed consistently enough for Manchester United for the last two and a half years, and this is an update to me saying last year that he's not up, he's not performed for a year and a half. This is continuous, and he started to be, and the the culture United within the fans is that it's a blame game thing. When Bruno Fernandez is not scoring anymore, who can we blame? Why are these guys not doing this? Rashford's form dropped off. Rashford, by the way, in his worst season, such a performance, scored about 20 goals. The next year, he scored four or five league goals. I mean, in the overall season, maybe double digits. But because he was not as injured, he started to get a, bit, a few more minutes. So he was bad, but not as bad, right? May night signed Ronaldo. And because Bruno's goals dried up, it was is the Ronaldo issue. Ronaldo slows the team down. Ronaldo does this, does this and the other. Since Ronaldo has left, there's not one person that can tell me that Bruno Fernandes has fundamentally improved. He's more petulant. He's and he, to fair, he's been actually been given the license to be more of a, quite frankly, for lack of a better term, a dick. Because what he showed yesterday on the pitch was one of the. That, that it was Ten Hag used the perfect word. It was unprofessional. It was unprofessional. You are a player for your team, armband or not. You do not show the act of petulance and misbehavior that he showed on the football pitch. You don't. You don't do that. And as much as I will get onto all the other players, which I've done before, you are the captain. And it's what you guys have met, you've spoken about, leadership. Casemiro, what can you, Fred, what can you do this time and the other? But the person that wears the armband is supposed to be the biggest leader. He's the one that's supposed to lead by example in all aspects. He didn't do any of that. Um, I mentioned this, Kajit. I said, I mentioned a few players. Our biggest issue with Bruno, going back to Bruno Fernandes, doesn't perform well enough in the big games because he's not technically assured. He's a good goal scorer, good at creating chances, but if you watch him, technically he's not great. Doesn't keep the ball well, doesn't execute his passes well, loses loses um, possession, which is which are the very things you don't need in a midfielder. You look at someone like Luka Modric, how he's able to continue at the age he is at that high level because he's technically assured. You give him the ball, he retains it well, passes the ball well, links up play well. Bruno doesn't do those. And in the big games, those are what you need. My biggest issue with Bruno is that he's not, he shouldn't, he, he, that captain, that captain armband shouldn't be anywhere near him because he's a moaner. For me, your captain, for me, shouldn't always be moaning and complaining at players or when things don't go well. They should be encouraging. They should be able to uplift players. Every time I see a clip of Bruno, he's always moaning about something. When things don't go well, he, he waves his arm up, he moans about something. And for me, that isn't good quality to have in a captain, but they let him off because, oh, he scores goals. That isn't acceptable. You need a captain who has a balance. When it's time to um, admonish players, do so. When it's time to uplift players, do so. But it seems when things go wrong, he's one of the first individuals to be there screaming at everyone else. But when he does something wrong, <laughs> all is forgiven. Another yeah. key thing i like to mention at Manchester United, so I've mentioned two more things and neither there. The fact that Manchester United are still have Fred and McTominay there as midfield options tells you exactly the big problem at that club because every other club evolves from that. You look at Arsenal, they've got Parton and Erdogan since that time. 
obviously Liverpool have tried to change, but injury put injury injury wise hasn't helped, which they've had to bring back the likes of Henderson. But Liverpool brought in Fabinho during that time. They brought in Thiago during that time. Harvey Elliott, Harvey Elliott's coming through that time. You look at City's midfield. That's kind of evolving. That's kind of evolving too. The players they're bringing. Chelsea's a, is a different kettle of fish. So I'm never going to discuss Chelsea. But the fact that you know those two players have, you know, we've moaned about those players for so many years, and they're still there. Fred started that game. McTominay came on as a substitute. Why do why are those two players still your options when they're technically not good midfielders? That tells you everything that needs to be said about Manchester United. And then lastly, I'll go on about Rashford, right? I'll say this. At the moment, the, the issue you're going to have with Rashford is that Rashford is a confidence player. So Rashford and all the goals he scored over the last how many weeks is all based on confidence. If you look at Rashford's overall game, it's not good. His decision-making, it's still not good. And I'll sit there and i say, well, sometimes when players aren't performing well in confidence, their technical ability and their football intelligence sometimes is what they can rely on. So sometimes you can look at players saying, oh, he hasn't scored a goal, but he's kind of contributed in other ways. I look at Rashford in that game and I said, well, if when the confidence wasn't there, I didn't look at him and thought, oh, he was one that could kind of drag United or he was one that can stand up and give you a performance. Because he was he, over the last few games, take away his goals. He's still making the wrong decisions. I don't think his overall football game has improved. I think what we've seen is a more consistent goal scorer. But I think there's still aspects of his game that he needs to work on. Otherwise... I can't see him consistently being up there as one of the top players season in, season out, which is why he dips in form where he has one season where he's good and then seasons where it's like, what's happened to Rashford? And then this is the season where he's good. Next season, he could go back to what's happened to Rashford when the confidence drops. And I, and I think, I don't know, I think Ten Hag's done a good job what he's doing there. But ultimately, you need to clear house. I mean, you're still, you're still harboring Martial, still harboring Fred. Still harboring McTominay, um, still, you know, Maguire's still there. You know, you're still like Shaw. I think Shaw's done well this season, but let's be brutally honest, he should have been replaced by now because he's such an inconsistent player. He can give you those those games at a whim at any time of the season. He's not that consistent. Um and, and Dallow's back in the fold. For me, he should he's been in and out of that squad for so many years. He these players should have been replaced and shouldn't still be starting for your club. You should have been. Well, I mean, again, I don't, I don't really. The Dallo, Dallo one. I mean, I I can sum it all up in one. To be honest, the two points. But um, with with Dallo, I mean, I I didn't mind Dallo being part of the squad only because I thought he was going to be a bit part player. He actually found a decent run of form. I always use the word decent because you have to use that. You have to go on before I call you say good form and then you know top class form and the rest of it, right? Yeah. Um. Him and even the Rashford, I understand <laughs> what you're saying about Rashford. It's not that I disagree. It's I think there's a there's about two or three reasons for why his game has not improved from when he was maybe 21, and I think a lot of that has got to do with how the club was also functioned as well. And I'll get onto that now. The reason why you still got a Fred and Matt Tomine there. The reason why Rashford will need a proper coach. I use that term very um coach um like Ten Hag to get the best out of him and utilize his key skills to the yeah. best of his ability is because United have not had a a consistency for a long time. Whether your name is Van Hal, whether your name is Mourinho, whether your name is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, there's always been a question mark over are they going to be there next year? Are they going to be there next week? This is a terrible performance. Are they going to be here? Now you've got a manager that's come in where it actually looks like everything is going to be long-term with mm-hmm. Ten Hag. 
there's a bit more time. So, you know, Steve told you last time you were here to believe in Arteta, right? Because yeah. he's trying to build something, you got to give it time. And time is the key factor here. We've grown up on time. You had the second longest reigning manager in Premier League history behind my manager, right? And what we understood from those guys is that they were given time to build things time and time again. Wenger eventually it started to falter off. Fergie went went away on a high. The the club, in terms of like the squad, didn't go away on his best eye because it wasn't yeah. the best squad anymore. But regardless, they had long tenures to build teams, right? Yeah. The reason why you're going to see a Fred Fred McTominay here, it may be even next season, is because to rebuild this team, you really need to take time. And a result like this epitomizes it because we had lost before this game one in twenty five. So Gary Neville, Michael Richards, uh, Troy Deeney, and whoever else I've, I've heard this weekend talk about the game and describe it as a blip. You can call it a blip, but the last time we had a good run of fun and we called it a blip after one loss, the form didn't return. And that's because players returned, reverted to type. They got they lost their confidence and reverted back to who they what they or what they were showing beforehand. So if we're gonna give managers time. Ten Hag's going to need time to slowly usher these guys out. Liverpool went through the same thing. It's not that, you know, Klopp couldn't get the best out of some of these players. He, in his first season, got into the Europa League final. They did lose that final, but you could see there was something brewing. You know, it's, it's about taking the time and building something. Ten Hag, in his first year, has managed to get these guys a trophy. They're still in the hunt for two other um, cup trophies. I, I, I never believed in a title race, but in Europa League, they're in their FA Cup. So there's a chance to also add more silverware. So he's not doing a bad job. Yeah. But that's where you need to let him continue it and let him build his team and not let it be a three-year project. It has to be a four, five, six-year, seven, eight-year project where you can say to him, these guys have been here for a while. Are you convinced by them? No. Okay, so we're going to let you build your team. Not None of the whole Mourinho gets second place and he says, I need a centre-back, get me to the Vero that you get him Lee Grant. None of that stuff. None of the only going to social saying, I need a striker. Ronaldo suddenly becomes available, and I truly believe that Ole wasn't really looking at Ronaldo. I think he went to wait a year, give Martial a season up top. I don't, I'm not a Martial fan, but if that's the plan, you gotta let it run. You, you just have to let it run. That's you have to back your manager. I always say a manager, in my opinion, he's not given a fair run if you like dictate who gets into his squad and who doesn't, unless he fundamentally agrees that you can do the signings, I'll do the coaching. I kind of feel sorry for him because yeah. I don't think he's told Chelsea to sign all these players. And yeah. I don't think he knows what to do with all these players, to be completely honest with you. You're going to see a lot of rotation week in and week out. People say, mm -hmm. oh, he's going to team again. Of course he has. Because <laughs> he, he's going to have to, you know? Let's um, keep that squad happy. So <laughs> Precisely, you know? The only person that he doesn't have to really keep happy too tough is Jao Fierce because he's going back to Atletico at the end of the yeah. season. That's a short-term thing where everyone else has come in on an eight-year nine contract, so you got to keep them happy some way. Um, and this is going to be a ten Hag, This is going to be ten Hag's problem because now I've given silly contracts to players over the years. So now we're going to see how United do business this summer because Phil Jones' contract is running out. The last time his contract was running out, and bear in mind he hasn't played consistent football since 2015, his contract was running out, and they give him a new one. Wow. Same thing happened with Chris Smalling, and then we even lost him. Uh, um, we took a loss. We signed him for 12 million, and we still took a loss. No matter how many years he spent at Man United. And he won, he won pretty much everything you can win at a club apart from the Champions League. So he didn't have a bad time at United, but we still took a loss. This has been recurring and so on. Now, 
Steve made a very good point about Ten Hag. What I saw yesterday was worrying because he didn't address, he didn't see the issue, and he didn't address it. And also his subs were worrying as well because you said Fred McTominay. Fred came off for McTominay. I don't think that was the right substitution. I think he should have brought Sabitzer a bit more know-how, a bit more stability, someone that will work better with Casemiro. Didn't do it. But I still have faith in the guy to improve the team because he's, he's showed the signs to get up there. But the only way I know he's going to sink or swim is if he's backed properly. And, you know, whether that's with new owners or not, who knows? But the point being, results like this, they're not freak results because Man City beat Man United 6-3. They conceded 6 Brentford scored four. Liverpool scored seven. Last season, Liverpool scored... Um, nine. It was 9-0 nine, nine aggregate, wasn't it? Five and then four. Five at Old Trafford, four at Anfield. Wow. And if you want to talk about May Knight's heritage at Anfield in the last, I think, 10 appearances, the aggregate is 36-2. So, so when you're talking about rebuilding, when you're talking about rebuilding, it's a big, big job. Um, so whether... You know, whether United want to give him the time or not, whether the new owners... Oh, Joe, can I just say... Go on. You know, I said everything's great in my world and, and and it couldn't get much better. That stat makes it much better, mate. So I appreciate you <laughs> that. I saw it I saw that this morning and I was like, oh, my, you know what? You know what? I, I, I don't even have the words. I don't have. Any, I don't even have the words. But, hey, you know, Liverpool were thorough, thorough, deserved winners. 7-0 on the night. Um... Yeah, as, listen. As as long as Liverpool just forget how to play when we come up to their to their neck of the woods, that's the only that's the only important thing to me. Wait, well, I'm I'm just gonna say this to you right now, Basil. Just just hope that you you better hope that you don't get a battering that we did because it's not, it's, not, it's not. I'm not even. It's not even about banter. It's just not a nice feeling, man. Yeah, <laughs> so, so. What I would say, what I would say, just to close from Liverpool's perspective, is what you've seen there is frontline two point zero. Um, how it's growing, how it's developing. If we add superb quality to the midfield, um, we'll be in the shakedown for everything again very soon. Um, if we add, I actually think at times next season Liverpool will play four-two-three-one with Gakpo behind Nunes, with Diaz and Salah left and right. With if it's Bellingham, it's Bellingham, and every time we speak to a journalist, it seems to be they all think that's done, and one other. Um, that could be that could be quite some combination. So I think next season we're going to be a lot more attack minded. Um, why wouldn't you be with four yeah. forwards of that nature? And if you add Diogo Jota to that, um, question for you guys: Tell me another team in European football that can boast five forwards in their squad of that standard. None. That's the, the, five, yeah. five, all five. None. None. <laughs> That's it. I think, the thing is, see, as it goes back to your point, I think obviously Liverpool haven't had a good season this season. But that can always change with one or two players because look at last season, um, the season before that, you guys scraped fourth, and then last season, no one gave you guys a chance. But then you went deep into all four competitions. Yeah. Um, and, and I've always said this I think Liverpool are just one or two midfielders away from once again challenging. The midfield is where Liverpool have been let down this season. I think if they sign one or two quality midfielders, and obviously. Klopp gets the confidence of everyone back again. I think Liverpool will be back again, back there again. I think people have gone a bit overboard, even the likes of Jamie Carragher saying, "Oh, this is the end of the era." I'm like, no. Teams go through um, ups and downs. I think this is Liverpool's down, but I think fundamentally they've got the players. There's just one or two missing, and they'll be back up there again. In my opinion, if, 
if if I can put my two pairs in there, I don't think people have actually started to realise what's going on at Liverpool. And that's why I've been quiet all season. Because when I saw the end of the era thing, I've not laughed at Liverpool this season in terms of like, yes, I've enjoyed their losses, but I've not laughed at them in the sense of, oh, I think they're done. Because if you look at their squad, they're slowly building. And sometimes people forget Trent is still very young. Players have been injured. People forget of the injuries too. Like Exactly. Martin, know. Van Dijk are they probably their centre-back pairing that they want to go through for the next few years. Canate has been in and out of that squad through injury. So it's like, once they kind of resolve the fitness issue with players and they have that full squad back again, I would say teams should beware. I've never written off Lil, but I've just seen them say, this is just a bad season. I think they'll be back. Yeah, you know, one, they've, they've, one or two additions. you got Trent, come, Trent's still very, still, he's still very young. Trent is still very young. He's got so many years left in this game. Robertson is still got years left in this game. Simicast is a good backup. Um, you know, Van Dyke is still going to be at the top of his game because he defends very well, regardless of how his form has been. He's still a very top class defender. Konate, you've mentioned as well. Um, Fabinho is still a very good defensive midfielder. Don't get it twisted. Form is something, class is temporary. Um, I, sorry, form is temporary, class is permanent. That's the term. Sorry, um, Harvey Elliott is a good I mean, Thiago's older, but they replace him. And if they get Jude Bellingham, that's just a brilliant signing. And we got and the young lad. The young lad is going to save us fifty million quid. Um, yeah, he looks a real, real um, promising. I, I think, from a Liverpool perspective, I think Costas might leave in the summer. Um, okay. Purely because he wants to play football, and he's not getting in front of Andy Robertson, and he's good enough to play first team football in seventeen of the twenty teams in the Premier League. He would get in their team all day long. Um, he would probably get in your team. Probably. <laughs> I wasn't assuming it, but now now you've given me that reaction, he will get in Manchester United. There you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the confidence to say that. It means a lot. Um, but, but, you know, and then, and then but we're, we're not, in a, not in the worst place. Fabinho and Henderson will, will pro Antiago to some degree, if we buy two centre midfielders, we'll take squad roles. Because yeah. football's becoming about squads now rather than your 11 on your match day. Yeah. They're not bad people to call on for half an hour, a half a, a game where you can do horses for courses. We will buy two midfielders in the summer. We will probably get a centre-back and we're looking at Indica, the guy who's available on a free from Frankfurt, um, which would be a great signing because we're going to probably lose Joel Matip in the summer. Um, if we get a decent offer for him, I can see Liverpool accepting it. Nat Phillips will leave. Reese Williams will go um, from the squad. Um, Joe Gomez will probably have to be happy to be third or fourth choice centre back. As long as we've got five decent centre backs in the squad, which we have at the moment. Self belief. Football's a confidence thing. The margins are really, really very small. They're a lot smaller than 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 than, than I can cater for and, and I've been involved at a reasonable standard of football but nothing like that um, yeah it's, it's, it's purely a confidence thing and um, this this new frontline 2.0 shall we call it um, with Gakpo is very Firmino like in terms of how he looks after the ball but he's a lot quicker than, than Firmino and I'd probably say he's a better finisher than Firmino mm-hmm. um, not so selfless maybe not such a, such a link player as, as Firmino is, but that will develop in time because he's been nurtured into a new role. And that's probably why Bobby's thought, actually, I, I can afford to leave because we've had a snapshot of what Liverpool's front line looks like and I'm not in it. 
and that's fine. That's football evolution, and we we love him, and we'll thank him, and we'll go we'll go ahead with what we've got. And I can't wait for pre-season when we bring some new bodies to the football club and we have a look at what the squad looks like going into next season. Because with those five guys up top and young Ben Doak knocking on the door for first team positions or first team squad time rather, um, it's it's looking more like six guys up front that you can rotate, which is never a bad place to be. Absolutely. Right. I think we spent about almost 50 minutes on this game. So we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, I'm conscious of time because there is a game coming on at, in about 15 minutes. So let's try and... Go on, fly through the rest. Let's do a quick, quick... Straight through. Yeah, let's fly through. Let's fly through. Right, okay. Brighton absolutely hammered my locals West Ham 4-0. Um, quick one. David Moyes. How much... I keep asking this question every week because, yeah. Bye. That's I don't know why he's still Bye. here. So see you Bye. later. Um, but I will, say this, I will say this about Brighton very quickly. Brighton are currently 8th on 38 points. They have played 23 games. They have played yes, the least amount of games yeah. in the league season alongside Brentford. Now, it's if always if by some maybes, but if they win their games in hand, they go above Tottenham on points. Oh, okay. So they might be in the top four. I mean, long term, they're not better than Liverpool. So, you know, I think if Liverpool find form in terms of consistent form, yeah, there, there is no competition there and they're finding their way so far. But Brighton are having a fantastic season. Shout out to Serbi. And that might open some discussions about Graham Potter, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one for another time. Um, so we'll leave that there. Tottenham, as we spoke of, lost one more. The customary one time a season, Adama Traore banger uh, went in. Absolutely you're ready. Conte, ready. I'm ready. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you summer. later. And this is a case of you don't know what you miss until it's gone because apparently they're trying to bring back Pochettino. <laughs> what a bad idea that is. Oh, Tottenham are just a mess. You know, I saw an old interview of, of Pochettino where he was like, he was talking about like um, after they won the Champions League and trying to build and they're not building. And he was talking about other teams buying players and building. And it's like, he went there, it's like, you need a washing machine, but then they buy you like um, a dryer. Need a sofa, and they buy you like small chairs, <laughs> and that's literally the perfect way to describe Tottenham. That board is an absolute disgrace. Honestly, they have zero football ambition whatsoever, and it's 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 criminal. And it's funny because Conte only took the job because of the money. Let's be brutal. I don't know what business he had going to Tottenham because I've always said this: the, the thing with Tottenham, um, Conte, he's not a, a, a building manager. He's not a manager who is like, give here's a group of players, work with him and try and build them. He wants tried, ready and tested. It's a bit like Marino. He wants his way. And when he doesn't get his way, kind of throws his toys at the pram. And you always knew this was going to end badly for Tottenham. Because obviously, obviously he's, he's off now. But obviously, even before then, you can see the relationship breaking down. You can see he's not happy with these players. And you can see like he, he's going to leave at the end of the season without a shadow of a doubt. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, well, did the board not analyse what kind of manager they were getting? You can't try and cover things up by saying we've got a world-class manager and think he's going to work miracles. Fortunately, especially in England, it's far too competitive. So it's never, ever going to work like that. And obviously now we're, we're seeing the capitulation of Tottenham. And the things that is scary because I really worry for Tottenham because there's always a question of, will Harry Kane stay? And if Harry Kane leaves that club, they're in big, big trouble. Big, big trouble because he bails them out in so many games. And if he's out of that team, what's left? I think they, I think they go from like 
they challenge between fifth and ninth regularly in, in um, future seasons. He will be he will be a Man United player for, for next season. <laughs> I hope not. I am praying. I, I am praying. There, um, are, there are certain media outlets that will tell you that the, a deal was brokered for him to leave. And the only reason he stayed was because Tottenham got Champions League football. And that deal that was brokered, that was signed, sealed, if they didn't get it, was to Liverpool last summer. And then because he stayed, they went for Nunes. You know what, man? A part of me is kind of glad that you didn't get him. <laughs> yeah, of course. Me too. I can't, I can't stand the bloke, mate. So I'm absolutely delighted we didn't get him. Oh, I mean, it's working. Nunes is doing a great job for you guys. But I was kind of scared that you guys, because Liverpool are the club these days that, I would say these days, most of the time, to be fair, where another club is linked with a player and then out of nowhere they say, yeah, man, so he's coming here and um, you're going to have to just, just gonna have to deal with it because for Gap, all you heard was May night, May night, May night and then one day I go on Twitter and all I see is Paul Joyce, who's ultra-reliable, just say, yeah, Gap put to Liverpool and I was like, you know what, man? I just even, give up. Even I give Nunes, up. Even Nunes, they did that deal so quickly. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you should do business. Yeah. That's how you should do business. Don't talk too much. Let's do it. The reason why we hear about Bellingham is because he's he's like the, the hottest prospect. That makes sense. But other than that, business is sealed. Um talking of managers that ha bye-bye. Um Poch was bye-bye after he said that he needs to change the furniture in the team and they gave him Sissoko. Um Steve, what are we saying? Another two-year run and then bye-bye, or what are we doing with Pochettino if he does come back? Because I don't know why he'd come back to this team, to be completely uh, honest. That would be a disaster for Spurs if he comes back because it's very quickly resort to type. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to back him in the way that he would want to be backed. He's a, he's a fraud. He's an urban myth. Um, <laughs> Poch is a myth, mate. Do you know what? Do you know what? You know when you were no, looking for see, manager, I, I, I totally agree with you. But when like, you were looking for a manager, I told you that, that <laughs> stop looking at Pochettino because... Um, he can't. He's another one that uh, tactically is, is inept. 100%. Take the first leg of the Champions League against Manchester City when PSG took the lead, and then Manchester City took control of the first half. Mm-hmm. And the second half, he came out and adopted exactly the same tactics. And he stood there on the touchline, looking confused and puzzled as Manchester United, Manchester City, sorry, won the tie on the night. Maurizio Pochettino stumbled across a balance at Tottenham that kind of worked. It, it was out of luck, not to, out of skill. The man is a fraud, and if he goes to Spurs, he'll be gone within twelve months. And if he went Damn. to Man United, he'd be gone within twelve months. The, the thing, the thing is, I totally agree with Steve. Like, but not the reason I respect this because not many people come out and say everyone's always like being around the bush. I've said it from time. He's he is a fraud, and he's been lucky to get the job there because he was at Tottenham. But then you saw how inept he was at Tottenham in those key moments where he had to make key decisions. Useless tactically useless and obviously he always played the same side but it's like okay when it's time to change or make the right kind of substitutions or tactical changes always found wanting i always go back to when he was at tottenham and he had so many semi-finals and faltered in a lot of those semi-finals and it's like you can go back and look at his tactical know-how and you'll see fault in why he lost those games then he went to psg and he got found out there at psg tactically inept and I've said that the reason why he doesn't have a job now is because he he wants a big job, but no big man, no big team is going to give them give him the opportunity because he doesn't have the minerals to manage a big club. For me, he's one of those one he manages is good to manage like a mid or maybe a challenging club and allow him to do what he wants. But sometimes you need just that little bit extra 
to, to manage at the big clubs. And yeah, Posh just he doesn't have it. I mean, people are linking into Manchester United. Manchester United dodged a bullet. I would have I would have been happy he went to Manchester United. Well, you guys dodged a bullet, <laughs> not going for him. Damn, I, I, I kind of like him, but damn, he got called a... F- you know what? Oh, um, he's he's, he, can, he can hold that. He's unemployed right now, so he can hold that. Um, Chelsea won one 0 They finally scored a goal. Finally got a W, and they went from they went from tenth to tenth. Um, but was it for Fana? Nice comeback. He's had a long term injury. He's come back. He's looking good, looking healthy, looking fit. Scored the winner. So kudos to him. That's the only praise I think we give Chelsea other than that. Graham Potter. I'm, I can't lie to you. Soon enough. See you later, man. Yeah, do you know? And, and funny thing, I actually was for the Graham Potter appointment. I liked him at Brighton, but my eyes have been open, especially as you mentioned, Deserby. I think he's doing good. I've always said Potter was doing well with that Brighton squad, but it was very imbalanced in terms of defensively, they weren't great. I mean, they were great on the eye attacking wise, but then when you look at where he finished with, with, no, with, Brighton, sorry, with Brighton, the positions where they finished in the league wasn't that great. And you can always go back to how they set up, how he was very imbalanced. But you look at what the Zerbi is doing. They've got good balance defensively and offensively. And they look at what Potter's also doing at Chelsea. As you said, you kind of, you come out here with, you put your glasses on with Potter and you start to say, hmm, was he really what I thought he was at Brighton? All, all he's done is, in leaving Brighton, he's packed something in his case that they probably didn't want him to take. But they're quite glad that he took it and transferred it to Chelsea. And that's an inability <laughs> to score goals. Graham Potter sides do not score goals. Yeah. He's transferred that from Brighton to Chelsea. Um, they've got 33 seasoned first-team professionals. They can only register 25. And all 33 of them expect to play first-team football. That is probably more difficult now than it ever was under Steve, Roman Because he's not finding the players. Todd yeah. Bowley is signing the players. Yeah. Steve, don't forget the players that are on loan too. Because I was I was speaking to my friend. I said, you forget they still have Lukaku on the books. They still have Callum Hudson-Odoi on the books. There's a few other players who are out there on loan where they still have on their books. So it's more problematic than the player. And Cuckoo's coming in. Um, and Cuckoo's coming in in the summer. So it, it becomes more problematic once the season ends than what we're currently seeing. But I mean, they're all on, they're all on ridiculous money. Nobody wants yeah. them. Callum yeah. Hudson is on about 150 grand a week. Yeah, not worth a third of that for me. He's on 150k a week, and he has a, as much of a, a future at Chelsea as me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got to Man City. They beat Newcastle 2 0. Um, good game, two decent good sides. Um, I don't think there's much to really say around here. So Newcastle, might... don't, Newcastle don't deserve top four after this result. Newcastle's bubbles burst. The best yeah, among them. Absolutely. Yeah. They'll, finish, yeah. they'll finish sixth or seventh. They'll get European football and they've been to the League Cup final, which puts Eddie Howe ahead of the curve in terms of where they need to be. The next 12 months is massive for him because they're going to need to start recruiting players who are going to want to play for certain managers. If your phone goes and it says Eddie Howe and you'll say Paolo De Baila, you're not picking the phone up, are you? That that is that is a Brendan Rogers Brendan Rogers situation right there when he got Steven Gerrard to ring William and say, Would you play for Liverpool? And William went to Chelsea. So, so that's that's true. That that conversation did happen. Um Eddie there's levels to this, and Eddie Howe's competency level will will leave world class players questioning whether they should sign for Newcastle. At some point they've got to take the plunge and go and get a world class manager like Poch. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I see, I think, <laughs> do you know, it would not surprise me if that is the next move, but, 
I think they're in danger of not finishing in the European leagues in early positions. Because when you look at Newcastle, at the start of the season, they had so many draws. Newcastle actually don't score that many goals when you look at it. And now they're struggling. As I said, the bubbles burst. Now they're struggling. Sometimes when you struggle, if you're, if you're scoring goals, the goals can get you out of trouble. Now they're struggling and defensive, they're not as solid. The goals can't save them now. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a criticism. It's not a criticism. They are, no, no, no. From what they were to what they are now, they're worlds apart. 100%, um, yeah. They've, they've, they've signed some shrewd players. Uh, Guerrero is an absolutely quality player. Absolutely. Real Madrid have had their at him. If, so, so, so that's a, not a long shelf life at, at, at Newcastle for him. He, he'll be, he needs Champions League football. He's too good not to play in that environment. The next 12 months for that Newcastle project are massive. And I, and I think at the end of the 12 months, there's, there's a question mark, not because he's done anything wrong, as to whether any your man's take them on. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's got ten to the next I, I, think I agree with us one more season. I think he's probably got one or two more seasons because like I said, he's he's just a springboard to stabilize things, get them at a position where it's like, okay, we're now like a, a solid maybe top eight team, and then they move on to the next one and say, Okay, now it's time for us to be a bit more ambitious because he's creating that stability there. I think for him that's not a bad thing though. I'll say that quickly before we move on to the lava games, just because I say I think um just for his sake anyway, for someone who Started really well in the Premier League with Bournemouth and he eventually faltered away. He went back, sort of worked on his game a little bit, became a more, a more better defensively as a coach. We've seen that yeah. at Newcastle this year. So I think it's, it's a good for his reputation as well. Even if he gets fired, don't look at it and say, yeah, you know what? You did a good job there. You helped them build themselves and what's next for you. So, hey, who knows? But um, not much to say about City. They're just trying to keep up with Arsenal right now. Uh, they want to know. Good on them. Um, such a team. I know how you feel, Steve, man. <laughs> they just never die. Yeah, they're very annoying. Very yeah. annoying. Um, and we'll just sum up these games quickly. Now, they are important in terms of the relegation battle. At some point, we will get onto that. But um, Palace, are getting dragged, Palace are getting dragged in. They've not won in 2023. Yeah. They're getting dragged yeah. in. Villa um, yeah. are safe. Um, Leicester. Brendan Rodgers. Getting dragged in as well. Um, Southampton. Mm-hmm. One week are great. Next week, never played football. Um, really weird. Everton, please. please. <laughs> and, and those two surprised London sides, Brentford and Fulham, have been a real breath of fresh air. Um, Brentford's world without uh, Tony, who's admitted liability for about 200 of those cases. He will be allowed to play football on his 78th birthday with the van he's getting for that. So. <laughs> oh, uh, you know what? I think that's the perfect way to end it right there. There's no more to add to that. <laughs> All right, thank um, you guys for watching, listening. Uh, I saw some new subscribers as well and dropping all the likes. So thank you for that. Much appreciated. I'm sure you'll be back again when Mayna gets spanked again. I know why you're here. I know why you're here. Um, but I want to thank my guests as always, of course. So, uh, as, of course, before we let everyone go, we let them plug themselves. Basil, please let them know where they can find you. Yeah, as you can see, I'm a, it's a very different Basil from last season and seasons and prior. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at djacobs14. There's a lot more football tweets than you've probably seen in the last two, three years. A lot more positive Arsenal tweets than you've seen in the last two, three years. So you can find me there and you'll, you'll find a much happier Basil. Who, now, who can now happily tease other clubs in their failure and obviously rejoice <laughs> at what Arsenal's doing this season. 
Uh, this is making me sick, but I'm going to smile anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, much love to Basil, man. Always. Um, Steve, please. I've had a ball tonight, guys. You know, really cool. Uh, thank you for having me on again. Always a pleasure. Um, not just because the subject matter was a 7 0 drubbing for Man United. Um, 7 0. Yeah, um, no, it's always cool to come on and have a chat. Um, keeping it real, Kojo. It must be difficult to sort of be positive or, or happy in your role tonight as the host. But you've done a great job, mate. And um, yeah, I, I do enjoy talking football with you lads, both of you. Um, so really good to be on. And we've had a bit of a laugh as well, haven't we? So it's been a it's been a good hour and 28 minutes of, of our time. So thanks again for having me on. And you can get me at, on my socials there, Steve Plunk. Or if you're a Liverpool fan and you've caught this, first of all, subscribe because this is a top channel with some great lads who come on here and it's proper football chat. There's no sensationalism or bollocks. It's all good stuff. Um, and then if you want to see a bit more stuff, paid or unpaid, come and have a look at what we do at the Red Men TV. Um, got some good stuff coming out at the moment. Um, I've been there six months now. I'm really enjoying, enjoying being in football media for uh, as a job, permanent job. It's full-time. It's really cool. Awesome. Thank you for the plug as well. I appreciate that. And yes, if, I will say check out the Red Men as well because, I mean, because of Steve, that's the reason why I checked it out, and that that, that says a lot because I'm sitting I'm sitting at home sometimes checking like local content. So yeah, trust me when I say it's good because it's hard for me to watch that. But at the same time, yeah, man, they're doing their thing. Um, free me feel the like, comment, subscribe. Of course, uh, free me feel podcast on YouTube. If you're here, if you're listening on Spotify, and Apple Podcast, free me field. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Other than that, have a great week, have a great night, and um, if you're a Man United fan like me. Don't don't cry too much. It's gonna it's, it's gonna it's, it's gonna it's, it's gonna. Hey, it could be worse. You could be Pochettino. Good night. <laughs>